Welcome to the Accelerating Excellence podcast. Here is a crucial part of the psychological performance puzzle that can be hard to get your head around. Whether you win a World Cup final or you lose a World Cup final, life will generally have the same level of positives or negatives. There'll be balance, good, bad, pain, pleasure, whether you win that World Cup or not. And we're going to explore today why this mindset, fully conscious of the positives and negatives, is a massive edge for you. To start with, there's a famous psychological study that compared 22 major lottery winners with 22 controls and a group of 29 paralyzed accident victims. Whilst the lottery winners had a temporary high and the paralyzed accident victims, of course, a temporary low, a year later, their baseline for positive emotions returned to levels pre-lottery win and pre-accident. Whilst the lottery winners had a temporary high and the paralyzed amputee accident victims a temporary low, a year later, their baseline positive emotion returned to levels pre-lottery win and pre-amputee. They had the same baseline happiness. In fact, the lottery winners took significantly less pleasure from day-to-day -day events. So what's the message here? There is no single event, good or bad, that will fix all your problems. There is no such thing as happy ever after. And as far as I'm concerned, this phenomenon was best described by the late basketball sensation Kobe Bryant, who put it so beautifully. And I quote, I play to figure things out. I play to learn something. If you play with the fear of failing, you put pressure on yourself to capitulate to that fear. If you play with a sense of, I want to win, then you have that fear of what happens if I don't. But if you find common ground in the middle, in the center, then it doesn't matter. You're unfazed. That enables you to stay in the moment, to stay connected and not to feel anything other than what's in front of you. So I try to be dead center. Kobe then goes on to say, everybody wants a happy ending, right? But let's go to the reality of that. Let's look at the fairy tale. It's like Snow White, she gets a happy ending. She finds the prince. She goes on and lives happily ever after. Well, I call on that because two months after, the fact is that they had an argument and he's sleeping on the couch. So the point is the story continues. So if you fail Monday, the only way that it's a failure on Monday is if you decide to not progress from that. And Kobe is bang on. And this mindset is no doubt one of the contributing factors to his outlier status as one of the world's greatest professional athletes ever. There is no panacea. Once I've done X, I'll live happily ever after. Wrong. Your body will always maintain balance, whether you like it or not, or what we call homeostasis in your perceptions. Positive and negative always balances out across time, and you need to be very conscious of that. Otherwise, you are chasing fantasies and fairy tales, and it will impede your ability to succeed in your craft for the reasons we discussed in our previous lesson in excellence. Winning World Cups, getting promotions, scoring the winning goal, or any other form of outcome-based achievement all come with negatives as well as the obvious positives. And being conscious of them reduces the risk of fear setting in. And when I say fear, I mean that fear of losing that which you want to obtain, setting in and triggering the fight or flight redhead response and causing you to lose access to what you're capable of in terms of performance and ability. We literally had an incredible conversation with Sir Clive Woodward on this podcast, and he stated that winning the World Cup in 2003 was perhaps the worst thing that ever happened for English rugby. And I would actually go as far to say that winning the World Cup in 1966 was potentially the worst thing that ever happened for English football. And here's the thing. 
If you win a World Cup, it's very unlikely you're going to win the next one. Standards go up, expectations go up, your obligations go up, and whatever goes up must come down. And the higher you go, the harder the fall will be. And that's not necessarily a problem. You could argue that England winning the World Cup in 1966 has caused more pain than joy for England. With the inevitable highs that came from that, came new benchmarks and expectations. And England fans certainly put that World Cup win on a pedestal. And this creates this fear of loss of that which they so desperately seek to obtain. And I get it. I want it. There's no doubt the media have projected their unbalanced expectations and that fear of loss onto the team over the last decades and, and maybe even longer. And guess what? They attract the opposite. Loss through sending their team into pure fight or flight unconsciously in crunch matches. The team end up, unconsciously at least, playing not to lose rather than playing to win. Survival mode versus predator mode. In my opinion, that's why England teams tend to do really well in world rankings, uh, smash through qualifiers. There's a lot of neutrality there. No trophy to win, no thing to fear losing, nothing's on the line. It's the crunch games where this fear of loss sets in and they lose access to that ability to play as a psychologically centred, authentic and integrated team that they have the capability to be. I'd also argue it's the same with England rugby and, you know, it depends me watching that lesson repeat and repeat and repeat. I hope it's become clear after our last lesson in excellence that we need to avoid polarized extreme thinking. We want to be neutral, then decide where we want to play. And we address this by becoming fully conscious with all the upsides that come with success and achievement, but also with all the downsides that come. There's another great example of balance in action, I think worth mentioning. If you haven't seen the new Netflix Beckham documentary, you need to watch it. Beckham was famously sent off in the quarterfinals against Argentina. Bex received a red card that wasn't a red card and subsequently became a national villain that lost England fans their World Cup. Beckham received vile abuse. He was spat on in streets, death threats, kidnapped threats to his son, vile songs sung about his wife. It was pretty horrific for him. But also on that same day, he found out he was going to be a father, something he and his wife were overjoyed about. And ultimately that adversity he went through brought him and his Man United team and his family closer than ever. The Man United fans, of course, included. And that was the year that they famously went on to win a historic treble in an incredible manner. Beckham playing an integral role in that. And his teammates openly spoke about how that was the year he became a leader. And suddenly they were all looking up to him. Beckham obviously went on to become every England fan's favourite player. He became captain, record caps, adored by the country, a national hero. He was and still is Britain's Michael Jordan. And at one point, the most famous man on the planet. Now, would that have been possible without the adversity that came from that negative event? Or was it actually a crucial part of his development process? No matter how seemingly horrendous the event is in the moment, there's almost always a learning to extract that can level you up in a way that might be really hard to find or imagine in that moment. So just a quick recap, anything that represents loss activates its prey mentality, which activates fight or flight. So what we want instead is the predator and prey circuitry in equilibrium. We want balance. And actually, in our conversation with Jason Henderson, Hendo very clearly articulated how 
very conscious he was that death was on the cards every time he deployed on an operational mission with his tier one SEAL team. And I also shared how this took the edge off the whole team and centered them into the moment. They were fully conscious of the success that was available to them and also of the reality of failure and what that would mean. Now, a core focus I have working with any performer, myself, team or organization is to ensure that they're fully conscious going into these big events. As Dr. Demartini would say, the aim is balanced perceptions. Well, why? Now, the authentic you that's fully conscious of all the positives and the negatives is operating out of what we refer to in psychology as the superconscious. Anatomically, we're near the subcortical part of our brain in the hippocampal region, and it's the integrative center of the medial prefrontal cortex, which is the most integrated portion of your brain. It lights up when you're authentic, centered, and integrated. You get gamma synchronicity in your brain, and when this occurs, the apparent chaos or challenge disintegrates and it's in these moments that there's suddenly this burst of inspiration or a breakthrough moment perfect clarity where you shed a skin a eureka moment appears and you get peak performance finding this balance removes noise frees up time and space and allows your energy and that inspired action and all your ability to flow it's blue head so how the hell do we do it well first up if you feel you're infatuating about an event, person, or role, here's what I want you to do. Part one, I want you to write down all the perceived benefits you think you're going to get from this event. Ideally, the highest charged benefits first. And write down how intense the emotional charge feels on a scale of one to 10 for each benefit you list. Examples might include respect, pay rise, status, recognition. Then part two, in the next column, I want you to write down all the drawbacks if it doesn't happen or things go wrong in your eyes. For example, lose respect, lose admiration, lose my job. Then what we need to do is balance your perceptions out by writing down all the drawbacks if you succeed in achieving your objective. Your challenge is to keep writing them down until they collectively equal the same intensity, volume, quantity, and quality as everything captured in the benefits. Then, and only then, can you make a balanced and accurate decision. And it's a hard thing to do. You must face yourself. You have to face the truth about your nature. And when you're in an absolute state, you don't want to, but you must bring some perseverance here. Use colleagues, friends, if you've got any, a coach to help push you here if you need it. The second exercise I want you to try goes like this. I want you to think about what does the event represent to you or the outcome? And if you're putting that on a pedestal, you're probably minimizing whatever that represents in yourself. So if success comes up as an example, then you need to sit back and reflect where you've had success. And I'd like you to become fully conscious of the part of that that exists within you. You wouldn't be able to perceive it if it didn't. I want you to write them down until you find balance with respect, the equivalent level you perceive in the event or outcome itself. A third option, and this one is massive. It's actually something we're going to dedicate a mini series on in season two of this podcast. Look, there is no one event, one performance or one victory, one paycheck, one goal that's going to define who you are and what you're about. And this is why it has to be more about winning for winning's sake. When you have a higher goal, 
it unconsciously minimizes the importance of any one single event. And this reduces the probability of imbalance creeping in, you putting that event on a pedestal and pursuing it, fearing its loss. So this is where Dr. Dimartini talked about values and how powerful and important they are. And anyone who's read my book will know I wholeheartedly agree with this, although I'm using slightly different language terminology. But he uses a great example of Tiger Woods, where he once shared his perspective that to him, golf wasn't about individual wins. He had a higher purpose, a higher mission, and that was a burning desire to impact African-Americans, creating a lasting cultural legacy. And this broader vision meant that no single tournament defined him. Each win was merely a chapter in a more extensive narrative. And by anchoring to a purpose greater than yourself as an individual or to a specific accolade, you avoid putting undue emphasis on any single event. And this helps ensure that you maintain balance and actually optimize your performance, which ironically increases the probability you achieve success across time. You need to start to develop an understanding of this to the point that you almost just get excited thinking about it. And you just know that, yeah, this is who I am and what I'm about. And it becomes a prism. You look through everything you do with your life in terms of your performance. So to sum up, when you order and organize your perceptions, you'll eventually realize there's nothing missing in you. And that through using your intuition and introspection that Gorm Thomason talked about so wisely to us in episode three, we can make unconscious information that's already within you conscious so that you have full awareness. You'll realize that nothing's missing. And this is what will enable you to perform more often than not from Bluehead accessing your technical ability and delivering everything when it counts with an underlying sense of calm, knowing that what will be will be and that everything will be okay. Something that always puzzled me early on in my career when I would observe moments of excellence was how the hell are these individuals so nonchalant about the performance they've just delivered? And obviously now I know and understand it's because they're centered and integrated and that's what anyone that's worked in elite teams will come to know. It's almost weirdly neutral when you win or you achieve something incredible. And this is why athletes like Chris Billum-Smith, who we had on the podcast in episode two, shared with us that, you know, he has to remind himself and the team to actually celebrate. And actually in the change room, after he's won his world title, yes, there was some celebrating for about two, three minutes, but it definitely wasn't what people would envision if they had to guess. And it's definitely not like the movie version would portray. It's calm, there's happiness, but there's no hedonistic parties. It's quite solemn and almost cool. I did my job and delivered on who I am and what I'm about. What's next? The other thing that jumps out here is a moment where two aspiring traders on a team that I was leading were struggling to have breakthrough making more than $5,000 a day. Miraculously, one day, Bang, both of them make over $200,000 in a day. The owner of the business ended up ringing me, half expecting a scene from the Wolf of Wall Street. The reality is there was none of that. And in fact, when I popped around the corner to check how they were getting on after seeing the results they produced, they were just sat in there doing the exact same process with the exact same look in their eye, thoughts um, that they had every day in those debrief sessions for the previous 180 days. And this is why whenever I see extremes in terms of positive or negative emotion, I question how long that performer organization will sustain those levels. Extreme emotion is usually a sign of unbalanced perceptions. 
if people are being extremely emotional, then potentially from my experience, there could be trouble on the horizon for the reasons we've discussed in today's lesson and the previous one. Whilst the allure of success and recognition is undeniable, it's paramount to remember that real mastery lies in not letting the fear of losing overshadow the journey and that opportunity to compete. And again, this links back to what a lot of the guests in season one of this podcast have talked about, that outliers focus on the process. They have significant interest and meaning internalized into what they do. They don't fall for the Disney version of success and excellence. They're not doing it to find the prince. Motivational YouTube videos can dupe us into this. They're fully conscious of the upsides and the downsides, and this enables them to be integrated, authentic, and poised, irrespective of the stakes at hand. And this is what's enabled them to deliver when it counts most. And most importantly, this is what will enable you to do the same.